Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Uh, we continue our summer previews with a look at the Purdue Boilermakers. Um, you know, Jeff Brom and his boys uh, will be hosting the Cats this year. Um, Aiden O'Connell is back uh, with his terrible, terrible mustache. Oh my God, that thing is just awful. But um, I'm sure that's not going to come up in anyone else's previews, so I, I just thought I'd mention it. Um, but let's start off with the defense. Uh, they're missing a big part of the last year's D, aren't they, John? Yeah. Uh, you really want to pat Purdue on the back for everything that happened last season. Because last season was the best season they've had in a while. And the defense had a lot to do with that. Dumping Bob Diaco and hiring Brad Lambert away from Marshall was an inspired decision by Jeff Brom. Lambert was absolutely the right guy to come in and fully unleash the guy Sam alluded to, the human cyclone that was George Karloftis. For my money, the best defensive player in the Big Ten last year. Karloftis is the number one guy in the Big Ten, if not the nation, where the stats just don't begin to cover how good this guy is. This good, this guy was taken out of that stupid 3-4 he spent the previous year in and put back at 4-3 end, where he absolutely wreaked havoc. So understand, this guy got triple teamed a lot of the year. He was what opposing offenses spent the entire week planning around. You all saw exactly what I'm talking about in the Wrigley game. Whether Karloftis got a sack or not, He dictated what happened on every play simply by driving all of the guys assigned to block him to the outside or to the inside, and the net effect was seismic. Purdue only finished ninth in the conference in sacks, but they were fifth in pass defense, behind only Wisconsin, Minnesota, Penn State, and Michigan. And all of those flustered quarterbacks dancing around in the backfield made mistakes. Purdue finished fourth in the conference in interceptions. So this would all be fantastic for Purdue, except almost none of it positively impacts this coming season. First of all, Karloftis is obviously gone to the NFL, where he's going to be a terror, but that has a massive effect on everything Purdue does, and that effect is multiplied by the fact that Lambert is also gone. Lambert made what can only be described as a lateral move to the same job at Wake Forest. Granted, Lambert has a lot of history with Wake Forest as a coach, but still, you could easily read this as a guy understanding that his job prospects at Purdue aren't going to be nearly as good as his job prospects at Wake are going to be in a post-Karloftis era, and the stats would certainly back that up. Purdue may have been great against the pass last year, but they were not great against the run. And that was with Karloftis leading the team in tackles for loss and with star linebacker Jalen Alexander putting up 113 tackles. 
this just isn't a strong team across the line of scrimmage year to year. And with Alexander on to the NFL. So wait, John, are, are you going to talk about uh, who, who the, the guy who's replacing Lambert? I I am, but go ahead. Is that Ron English's music? Yes. Uh, and again, uh, the, <laughs> the Ron English experience, your miles may vary, but uh, let's just say that Losing Lambert, uh, gaining English, and with Karloftis and Alexander onto the NFL, things are not looking great. Now, Purdue does. For anyone who doesn't remember Ron English, he was Michigan's DC in uh, what, 06 and 07, went to Louisville for a year. Um, it, let's just say it was just not a banner time period for the Michigan defense. Um, he's been a, an assistant at. Actually, was he head coach at Eastern Michigan? And then he's been an assistant bouncing around um, the SEC the last couple of years. Right, which is funny because, like, Purdue had that bounce-around guy, Bob Diaco. <laughs> and then and then for one beautiful year, they had Lambert. But, I mean, it's again, it's not their fault Lambert left. Uh, again, lateral move, but, again, tea leaves. Now, again, Purdue does have George's George Karloftis, his younger brother, Yanni Karloftis, who was a major recruit um, and, you know, kind of was shelved last year as a true freshman. Now is kind of starting up his career, redshirt freshman. Um, he may play linebacker. He may play defensive end. He's going to be used as a pass rusher. He really could be a monster, if not this year, down the road, um, if he's anything like his brother and has even a piece of, of those sweet genes, right? Um, but consider this. Purdue's second leading tackler last year was Marvin Grant, a safety. And Purdue's new defensive brain trust, Ron English, uh, plans to run a 4-2-5, which would ostensibly feature Grant, except that Grant elected to transfer to, wait for it, Kansas instead. So let's just say the clouds are stormy here. Purdue still returns most of its D-line, and Branson Dean, Kydron Jenkins, and Lawrence Johnson did combine for 22 tackles for loss. But I can't state strongly enough how much Karloftis buttered the bread here. With him gone, the entire calculus changes. And these were guys who really got pushed around at the point of attack last year. Purdue returns its four through six leading tacklers, but two of those are safeties, uh, and one of the others is a safety linebacker hybrid. This is a weak team up front and a small team in the back. Um, again, we talked about that 4-2-5. I mean, they're going to try to make it work. But depending on the development of the younger Karloftis and the level of aggressiveness from the DB blitzes, which you might expect in a 4-2-5, this may be a D that can generate some sacks. But it just doesn't look like there's a lot of talent here overall especially against the run. And honestly, so much of everything Purdue did last year against the pass was buoyed by Karloftis that it's hard to not project a drop here regardless of everything else. So up to this point in the season, it seems like just about every team we've covered either had a good defense or had a bad defense but a good offense or was Duke. Purdue is different. <laughs> uh, Purdue is sliding toward that Duke category, okay? Uh, this team just doesn't look good on this side of the ball. 
we can definitely make hay against this defense, especially if the passing game has found something by this point in the season. Our offense is just flat better than this defense in terms of line play, in terms of talent, especially at the running back core. Um, and I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if Scuzz is about to map out an O that maybe tells us that the team is that, you know, this team overall may be worth waiting for this year. The only thing I wanted to throw out there because I was so excited to see him on the recruiting list last year is that uh, Yanni Karloftis gives up about 40 pounds to his brother. So right. he's probably more, not going to see him this year. Yeah, he's a lot more of a linebacker type. I mean, they're calling him an edge. But again, this is not a 3-4 team. I mean, it's like this is a team that has a tendency to get pushed around. So if you're putting that guy on the field, like – you're going to have to give something else up to get it. All right, Scuzz. Um, offensively, they've lost a few weapons, haven't they? Indeed, they have. Now, interestingly, um, the handful of other previews that I read basically go something like this. Gosh, David Bell is gone. And so are two other major wide receiver threats from, uh, threats from last year. But wide receiver is always good under Jeff Brome, and he keeps churning out draft choices. They should be fine. Real talk, David Bell was a super highly rated four-star recruit who was absolute dynamite as a freshman. Guess what? So was Milton Wright. Now, Rondell Moore may have come out of nowhere in 2018 for Purdue as a three-star guy with just epic speed. But the incredible wide receiver core assembled at Purdue last season that led to their best offensive output in four years. It was assembled by recruiting, not magic. So this year, there are just huge questions with this group that I think is is the bellwether for what happens with Purdue. Um, there's a mix of experienced guys. T.J. Sheffield and Brock Thompson are the best returners from last year. Uh, they each had like 30-ish catches and, and, and four or five touchdowns apiece. Neither one knocks your socks off athletically, but here's the thing. We know that the depth receivers at Purdue got to just feast while defenses scrambled to cover Bell and Wright. I should mention that Milton Wright was supposed to be back this year, has been ruled academically academically ineligible. So in addition to David Bell going to the, to, to the NFL, Milton Wright is out for the year. Milton Wright will 100% be an NFL draft choice w- when he makes it to the league. Um, they've also lost J- Jackson Anthrop, who was um, like their – fantastic underneath receiver uh you know 510 guy like just just eight up uh linebackers on the underneath coverage uh while those other two guys were were taking the top off the d um so i mentioned tj sheffield and brock thompson uh thompson himself was a portal uh, a transfer portal guy last year coming in from marshall and uh this year he and tj are joined by tyrone tracy and charlie jones both coming from iowa uh, Jones at least averaged 15 yards uh, per carry last year, but he only had 20 catches. Tracy was banged up. He's produced in the past, but um, I, I I don't know. Like this, this is not the sort of of combination that strikes fear in your heart, like a Bell or a Wright did. Um, Jones was a really good return guy for Iowa, and so he could you know give Purdue a boost on the uh, on, on the special teams front. Maybe. Brome can figure out how to do more with his speed than Iowa was able to. But frankly, like none of these guys that are returning could hold a candle to, uh, to David Bell or Milton Wright. Now buried in the depth chart are two very interesting young men, uh, Mershon Rice and Abdur Rahman Yassin. 
Both guys I mentioned yeah. in, in last yeah. year's pre. Yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting. But both are typical wide receiver size, and both were four-star recruits back in 2020. Um, as you can hear John's tone, you may remember Yassine as an early Cats commit before he shifted gears. Like the last day. Yeah, like yeah. that 2019 season, we think, kind of weighed on weighed on him. Now, neither one of these guys has seen the field for two years. The optimists would say that it's because they couldn't get out there with Bell and Wright and all the other talent. But I think a more likely read is they just aren't the game-breaking forces that these other dudes have been. I mean, if they could have played and contributed last year, I think they would have. Um, I mean, again, Bell and Wright were absolute dynamos as freshmen. Um, and, and Purdue went, I don't know, 10 deep on double digit receiver, uh, reception receivers last year. And neither one of these guys saw the field. Like, I think they could both play and they could both be decent and have good seasons here in 2022, but will they keep Purdue's offense on an upward trajectory and help Purdue replace these two, just all world receivers? I, I just don't think that, think so. Now, adding to that wide receiver conundrum is an offensive line that returns three starters and two grad transfers, one from the Sun Belt, one from the MAC. Uh, the unit was really good in pass pro last year. They still gave up 29 sacks. Um, the, 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 the sack rate itself wasn't so terrible because Purdue threw so much, but it was still a decline from 2020. They were also the worst run blocking team in the country, like 120th. Now, they had been the worst in the Big West the year before, and they were more ter- terrible. Regression alone should improve their run blocking in 2022, but there's just nothing jumping off the page with this O-line. No big-time recruits, not a lot of pedigree. Yes, they got a couple of, of, of portal guys, but from much smaller schools. This is a huge question mark in addition to the to the already big question mark in what, the right receiver core. Uh, at running back, uh, King Daru returns after having a really pedestrian season last year. Obviously, so much of that was on the offensive line. They do have a former Hoosier, Samson James, a 220-pound dude who's maybe aspiring to fill that that you know Xander Horvath uh, punishing running back role. And they've got a couple of additional freshmen. No, nothing great here again, although um, James would probably be my pick to lightly emerge from the field and give the Boilers something to work with. Uh, if you recall from past previews we've talked about how at, at uh, western kentucky brome's mo was to was to he, he loved to attack with the running back once he'd established the pass and purdue was so bad uh at running the ball even though they were so great at, at throwing the ball last year they couldn't do that and that you know and, and that is a bit of a testament to aiden o'connell who's who's really had a a, a heck of a, a growth at quarterback um I, I wrote here the much maligned Aiden O'Connell, uh, who just sizzled as as the QB last year for Purdue. He had an amazingly explosive and efficient season. His numbers leapfrogged into excellence. Uh, it is hard to see how they stay there, given the loss at wide receiver. But here's the thing. Aiden has never really been bad. Um, I just think he's more likely to revert to the you know low to mid 60% completion he had his freshman and sophomore year versus the 70% from, from last season. Uh, I think he'll probably use, lose a yard or yard and a half off of his yards per attempt. And I think he probably goes, you know, instead of throwing 28 TDs and, and 11 picks, it's maybe like 15 and 10. Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, he, he he's likely to be an above average quarterback in the conference, though. Um, I don't imagine he's going to be challenged. Uh, Jack Plummer, 
who shared snaps and starts the prior two years has transferred. Uh, but Purdue does have a stellar looking freshman quarterback in Brady Allen, uh, who will be likely looking to take the reins in 2023. Um, I think this is a watch and, and, and learn year for him. So I, kind of in summary, like if Milton Wright was, was eligible and coming back, you'd just be looking for one guy to step up and keep the offense dynamic and terrifying, but finding two guys where you have literally none who are established, that is just going to be really hard, even with a, a solid to, to good quarterback in O'Connell and some other, you know, leaders on the team. So, you know, that all being said, it's not like Purdue averaged 40 points per game last year. They're at 29, like for, for as great as their passing attack was, um, they they didn't blow other teams out generally, and they had a couple games where they, they scored over 40, but they had plenty of games where they scored 13. So, you know, I just, I can't see them falling into like the pre-brome bowels of, of horrible offensive output, but they're, they're probably also looking at a drop to maybe like 25-ish points per game. It's not terrible, but with that regression on defense, I think it's enough to flip the squad on its head. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go Cats. So let's talk about their schedule. Um, they open up at home against Penn State on, a, on Thursday night, um, September 1st. Then they are home for Indiana State. They travel to Syracuse before coming home to play Florida Atlantic. Uh, conference play starts back up with trips to Minnesota and Maryland. Home for Nebraska at Wisconsin, home for Iowa at Illinois, home for Northwestern, and then finishing up the season uh, at Indiana for the old Oaken bucket. I want to ask you guys, and maybe you guys are all already aware of this. How? What do you think Purdue's over-under wins is? Oh, Lord. Um, I would imagine it's like six or seven. Six, but I have a feeling you're going to tell us it's a lot higher than that. 7.5. Wow. I, okay. People, I'm not one to hand out free money. I'm just saying. Uh, this, I mean, I feel like we've talked a lot this year about, again, we sort of alluded to it in, in the Minnesota pod of kind of, you know, I think, you know, gun to our head, we're thinking Badgers. I mean, uh, you know, probably to win the West, but I can tell you who it ain't going to be. It, I just don't see a path for Purdue here. So here's to get there. They have to sweep the non-con, take out Northwestern and at Illinois as their next next two wins. Teams that, you know, Phil Steele has has rated below them in the in his Big Ten preview. That gets them to five. And then they've got at Indiana to end the year which is, you know, I'm, I don't want to be, I, don't, I would not want my bet, my over seven and a half bet to be riding on that game. Um, at Maryland, at Minnesota, home home for Nebraska on October 15th, like, ooh, Nelly, it, it, is, it is hard to even put together a ceiling of eight for this team. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, so first of all, 
I really think Jeff Brom is a good offensive coach, right? I, th- I think he, the guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to scheme. I mean, it's not just the passing. I think we saw, you know, what he was able to get out of Xander Horvath, you, you alluded to, you know, that year. Um, he finds, yeah, not last year, um, but this is not a talented football team. I mean, he, right, he's got, now he's got a guy, again, O'Connell, like you said, gets the system. So you're talking about a guy who's a smart coach and he's got a quarterback with a ungodly amount of reps in the system, but there's just not a lot here. I mean, pick a position. Purdue's not producing a good guy at it. Um, and that's on both sides of the ball. So I just, seven and a half wins, I just don't see the ponies here. Um, I really don't. I mean, again, it's like, at Syracuse, that's no gimme for this team by any stretch of the imagination, right? Um, so, I mean, I don't, I mean, there are very few games aside from that Indiana State game where I 100% feel safe about Purdue. Um, you ask me what their floor is, it's low for sure. Yeah, I mean, it could be, I don't know, three, it could be three, three or four. Three yeah. or four? Yeah. I'm gonna uh, say I'm gonna say four. I mean that that at Syracuse is tough. I have to note this is what like this is one of the reasons that I keep going back to the Phil Steele magazine year in and year and year in and year out because it provides comedy like this. Um, for anybody who's not familiar, on the schedule page, he always lists out like little little tidbits about about the matchups, like you know how this team has done against the spread and straight up in their last ten you know season finales and this sort of thing for the per, for the Purdue Syracuse matchup. He notes. Purdue has won the only prior meeting. The last meeting in 2004, the Boilermakers shut out Syracuse and forced three turnovers in a 51-0 to win. If 51-0 win, if you recall 2004, both of these teams were in dramatically different places (laughs) two decades ago. And it's just, it's hysterical to me that this is a a point of information that a a punter might might consider as as they're looking at this matchup. Yeah, I mean, and Purdue, I mean, Purdue is an offense. Again, I know Brahms a smart guy. I'm just telling you, Penn State, Iowa, and Wisconsin can just, they can just get at this offense in the exact way that they want to. But I'm specifically looking, I mean, just for a team with an over-under of 7.5, I'm just telling you, that six-game stretch, Minnesota, Maryland, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Iowa, and yes, Illinois is a rough stretch for Purdue. Um, and again, like when they, you know, by the time we go to Ross Aid, they'll have played a really brutal schedule. Like, I mean, I fully expect them to lose at least half of those games. Um, so again, I, I, I mean, for a long time before the wheels fell off, we were in the game against, you know, at Wrigley last year. And I feel like, again, this is one of the games I'm really circling. For all of you who are like, map me out a situation where Northwestern somehow gets to six, I am circling and underlining and putting this one in all caps. Purdue is one of those games for us. Um, I, I really believe that. This is the first year in three seasons that I'm not terrified to play Purdue because they, they just... Now, who knows? Maybe by November 19th, they will have established one of those young dudes um, to who, you know, 
as as a new deep threat or whatnot. But um, R- Rondell Moore wasn't Rondell Moore until he was Rondell Moore. Yeah, but right. they don't have anybody on the, on the team who has that kind of speed. I mean, sure. like like Charlie Charlie Jones is crazy fast. Iowa was unable to get him the ball. Yeah, I mean, again, if Brom squeezes eight wins out of this team, sign that guy forever. Because I mean, like that—that that is a titanic achievement. Didn't they already? Didn't they already sign? Yeah, him yeah they did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so Indiana, Syracuse, Florida Atlantic—I'll give you those three. Um, Indiana, I'll give you four. Northwestern, I'll give you five. I'm telling you, it gets way harder beyond that point. Um, they're just a lot of these teams are flat. Like Minnesota's going to plow Purdue on the ground. Maryland is going to torch them through the air. Um, and like even Nebraska, I mean Nebraska can blitz, get to the QB. I don't. So you know, Cut, you know, Purdue's going to get like four drives against Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. So I mean, it's like the. Uh, it's uh, again it's like this i think we have the consensus if you're trying to find wins for northwestern purdue is a good place to look now yes we're going on the road to ross aid but that's not like going on the road to camp randall yeah. you know R- ross aid's um, not exactly the hornet's nest right um so and we've had success down there before um that season opening win right yeah um, jeremy larkin um that that great game that he i was at that game uh that was a absolutely harrowing second half um yeah yeah being the emergence of of rondell moore um and the emergence of greg newsom i might add right yeah so it's it's been done we can do it again again it's like northwestern's got all kinds of problems for sure but i i just think this is this is one of those teams i'm looking at this i mean i don't know six and six i'll give them six and six on the strength of of brahm's ability to scheme but i'm not going to go any higher than that that's I feel the exact same way. Like when I like when I looked at the schedule, I thought, "I yikes, that, that feels very very middle of the road." Um, and it's it's easier to envision how they come under that than over. So, well, um, that is Purdue in a nutshell, and uh, we will definitely you know we'll see them at the end of the year, um, and we'll see what happens. You know that there's a lot of season to go between uh the game one in dublin and when we head out to uh to ross aid so a lot's gonna change between now and then and we'll just see what happens i guess right yeah knock wood this plays out the way that we want it to because again we we need to find wins we need to find that path to six path to a bowl and i think Purdue's part of it well, that'll just go ahead and about wrap it up for our Purdue preview. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Westlaw Pirates. You can also email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John LeComer and Eric Skazby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.